Hey, big love fam. Welcome to Super Freak. This is a high vibe podcast, y'all, exploring all things frequencies, how they govern form, shape our realities, and are the key to living from your full potential. It's non-woo combos about super woo shit, unpacking what I call the science of self, from body and soul literacy to the power of understanding vibration, higher consciousness, quantum physics, and spiritual psych. Let this podcast become a resource for you on your journey to self-mastery. If you're curious and ready to free your mind, unlock the body, and truly become limitless, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tally. This is Super Freak, awakening for the next gen. Let's go. Okay, a slight disclaimer. When I recorded these episodes, I wasn't sure if there was a term for the wounded empath out there already, or if distorted empath was actually being used or not. So it turns out that there is, right? No information is anything is ever new. So I just want to give credit where credit is due. And there is a wounded empath term that's being used already. It's kind of being used either as it is or as the wounded healer. But I hope that I give you guys some clarity and some context about what these things actually mean, these terms, and if you see yourself in them. Let us dive into empaths and where this becomes what I call the distorted empath. So DEs. This is what I'm seeing at frequency level. So in sessions, I've seen empaths who are debilitated with their amplified sensory abilities or gifts, meaning the nervous system is very heightened. These folks will come from deep sacrifice patterns in religion, like the Long Island medium, or they will be heavily rooted in witchcraft, like Naked Fox, for example. The distorted empath will claim, let's just get into some of the things that, let's say, qualifications or descriptions of a distorted empath. One, they claim the title as part of their identity. I'm an empath. I can't do X, Y, Z. They run the I'm so special program. So this isn't a knock on you guys if you're listening to this. I'm just saying that pay attention to the people who are in the spiritual community who just die on the hill of being just so gifted and hypersensitive and that there's so much of a... of you know, an empath that they absolutely cannot do X, Y, and Z, that's not normal. So the I'm so special program is literally somebody who who runs extreme levels of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is looped in with people pleasing, which leads to the third one, which is they don't have any boundaries. And it's just a whole lot of self-value, victim, and lack pattern going on. DEs are constantly putting their abilities above others or believe that their gifts are so divinely inspired that their lack of boundaries are just something that come with the territory. No, not it. Fourth, they leave their bodies to get information. This is a big one. Okay, I have helped a few narcissists with this and empaths that run nuanced narcissists. I will refrain and say it this way. Typically, an empath will come from a narcissistic parent is where I can have a tremendous amount of empathy because it is very hard to have abilities that are not honed yet. Think that they're one thing and then acting on those things and then having them deplete you. So it can become a reflection of a narcissistic parent dynamic. I will say this also. When you leave your body to get information and you're an empath who reads, 
you're depleting your own energy and you're allowing your vessel to be empty for a period of time. And if you don't have any boundaries coupled with I'm so special, no boundaries, you're just going to be a dumpster for everybody else's shit. So you will be able to take a handful of sessions and then you're just wiped out afterwards. The more efficient way to work with people is to learn spatial referencing and how to stay in the body and expand your awareness. And I've helped people do that in sessions. And I am curious to see how many of them are faring now having tweaked the mechanics of how they actually use their gifts. Gifts should not deplete you. They really, really shouldn't. And the best teachers are the best students as well. So we're constantly learning and evolving and sharing what we know, not really claiming to have all the answers, just maybe claiming to have a different perspective and then sharing notes. If leaving your body is really working for you and you're happy about that, then fantastic. But I will say that you will eventually cap out and tap out at the levels you can reach because being embodied is like fundamental to expansion. It's inner expansion. If you're not, if you don't know how to render yourself in the body and be an embodied person, that's what non-locality in a local focal point is. We're non-local awareness becoming aware of itself in form, in density. That's why earth experience and Gaia is so important. There's nowhere else to go. Gaia is it. Gaia is home. Once we figure that part out and we love the experience of this, then we really, you really start to accelerate. And things just present themselves to you and magic just presents itself to you because you're in the vibration of magic. I'm going to talk about the narcissistic parent dynamic because this is a tricky one. So coming off of that episode that I had before all about narcissism, I went into a lot of that, but empaths that come from a narcissistic parent pattern that behavior based off the gaslighting and then eventually become a close version of the MP or narcissistic parent. So this is where I came up with this other term. So first you have the distorted empath where it's running very, very close to narcissism because there's some ego involved in it. I'm so special. They put themselves above you. There's always a hierarchy going on. The other thing I've noticed, the wounded empath. So the WEs. This comes from trauma and has conditioned or trained the nervous system to dress rehearse tragedy. So it's amplified to the point where you take on other people's BS, dead people, entities, hitchhikers, foreign information, other people's energies, and your field around you, the spirit body is just littered, littered. And you'll kind of will probably go in cycles. So the wounded empath will present with these types of behaviors. They're also people pleasers no boundaries. So very similar to the distorted empath, but the lack of boundary comes from a trauma response. They're literally afraid to cause ruffles. They don't want to ruffle any feathers because in the past, if they have, it was met with not really great responses. The next thing wounded empaths present are the care, are they're the caregivers, caregiving caregiving to the point of self-sacrifice. So it's okay. I am just going to do this now. And it's what I've been called to do. They're the ones who take care of everybody around them and they justify their own value based on how much they can give others. This full goes right into the over-responsibility pattern. So typically the wounded empath are very highly, highly adept at performing. 
So they know they're very high achievers. They know how to come in and master something. They know how to earn. They're highly self-sufficient. So not only are they caregiving and coming up with all the systems and everything is like by day, there's checklists, you know, like let's say they take care of a parent and there's, you know, pills six times a day, there's timers. You guys are very well adept at being able to handle everything around you and get that shit done with high levels of efficiency. The over-responsibility pattern, you see this a lot with the firstborn, or you see it with a, a sibling that maybe ran, this is where it gets really interesting, so just follow the bouncing ball on this. You'll see a sibling in a, in a multiple sibling dynamic where the sibling is very similar to, let's say an older sibling, okay? So let's say you're two, you have child three out of five. Child one is the older child, but they present as, the, as child three. And then you have the child three that takes on the over-responsibility pattern and acts like child one. So you have sibling sequencing that ends up getting disordered. Typically, two out of those five siblings will run a twinning frequency, a twin frequency, or they'll be really close. And there was an agreement as to who would come in first, but there was some distortion coming into the body and they actually like switched. There was a switch that happened in the dissension. I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I've actually seen this before where I was like, I don't get it. Are you older or is who's the younger one? And they're like, well, we were, everyone says we're like really, really close and we're extremely close and we're not close in age. We're like three years apart, but we're really, really like, we're just like, I was like, yeah, you're like twins, like best friends. She's like, yeah, we're just so close. And she's kind of figuring out what she wants to do, or he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. And I really have taken on all the responsibility of the parent. I like lead all the conversations. I make sure all the financial, and I was like, yeah, that's so wild. There was little, literally like, they almost switched like switched souls, like almost like a walk-in, which I'll get into another on another podcast. But anyway, so going back to the over-responsibility pattern, another wounded empath behavioral pattern will be self-blame or shame. It's my fault. I didn't do enough. Coming from a lot of lack, they lead with martyr. I've got to go rescue my friend who has just had XYZ happen to them. You get hijacked from others. Being hijacked means like, let's say you're in a caretaking job or you're the strong friend who is just such a great sounding board and you had 15 things on your to-do list to get done today and you pick, you get a call. You get a call from a sibling or you get a call from a friend and they don't even ask you if, the, if you've got a minute. They just launch right in to what's going on for them and you just listen and you take it. And an hour and a half later, they're off the ledge you're behind. How many times does that happen? This is the wounded empath, okay? This is someone who has allowed their time, energy, resources to be hijacked by other people. This is lack of boundaries, self-value. This is a whole lot of stuff going on underneath here. Martyr frequency, sacrifice, people-pleasing, big time. People-pleasers are constantly looking to fill a void. A lot of people-pleasers have and run the void frequency from the paternal side, not being met or not valuing them or seeing them if they're female. And same thing with men, my male clients will have either a female frequency that has raised them, but they run or a mother that's raised them with masculine frequencies. 
So they have been coddled and nursed and they have no idea how to actually be a man and they have no idea actually how to sit with that. So they have this huge vacancy. This is wounding. This is trauma. And these things manifest as all these nuanced type of behavioral patterns between the empath and the narcissist, et cetera. Last thing that I've seen with the wounded empath is they become the garbage pan for everybody else. So the wounded empath usually comes from abuse. And yes, there are cases that I have seen where there's a bit of both in a person, trauma, emotional neglect, and a narcissistic parent. They constantly haven't had their needs met. And as a result, they've done their best to try to do that for themselves. And it kind of ends up manifesting in addiction, manifesting in mental health issues, bipolarism. It can even manifest into schizophrenia, psychosis, things like this. It just is a lot. We're not met in those formidable years. The road back home is is sticky. It's, it's tricky. So if you're presenting any of these things or you know somebody that is, there's definitely some things we could work on. Frequency work, somatic experiencing, behavioral therapy. Although I will say that with talk therapy, I would probably suggest doing something that's going to get into deeper levels into the subconscious, like hypnotherapy or something like this. Let's move on to what poor boundaries look like. Okay. Because I think people don't understand how to have boundaries. And if you're an empath and you're cultivating and learning how to have those things, it has to come with like asking yourself, what would happen if I just said no? What would actually happen if I told these people to properly fuck off and do what I want to do instead? You might disappoint a parent who's been used to you fulfilling a cardboard cutout image of what they want you to be. When you start to heal and you start to see through the bullshit, your family is not going to like it. They're just not. And you're going to have to reconcile your own internal guilt around maybe leaving, making changes, having them do something else for yourself while you get stronger. You don't owe anybody anything. And when I have to actually watch myself when I say that, because look at that language. You don't owe anybody every anything has is a direct correlation to how you value yourself. Self-value. It's the V of the slave acronym I've been using from the beginning of this podcast. And I'm going to potentially die on that hill, I tell you. But it's really becoming even more and more apparent after, what, 300 sessions now in the last, I don't even know, month. I'm like, fuck, everybody actually runs these. (laughs) Like, we're really running all of these. The effects of poor boundaries. Let's look at this. Getting into relationships based on their potential the someday when, contingent on your level of influence or control. Let me say that again. People who are the wounded empath will manifest somebody into their life who runs very, very high levels of potential, but they're a mess. So it will be addiction, abuse, and you are the fixer. You are running a fix-it program. So if the distorted empath is running the I'm So Special program, and it's super part of their identity. And the wounded empath is the caregiver. The caregiver and the fixer are besties. They're real close. So you will actually manifest and call in a relationship that will amplify all of these patterns for you to override. But the wounded empath will just try to control even more 
of the relationship. So it'll look like a mother-son relationship if you're in a relationship as a woman with a man, for example, or if you're running those frequencies or those energies in a same-sex or polyamorous relationship, for example. So one, getting into a relationship based on potential, right? Your future, you're in the future at a time. Two, hyper-control patterns. Three, decision paralysis because they fear making the wrong one or fantasy thinking of hoping someone else makes the decision for them. I have to digress on this for a second because this was a big one for me recently. I was like, shoot, I'm in the fantasy thinking where I really want someone else to make the decision for me because I'm working through like these lay these like chunky layers around internal wounding, paternal wounding, where if I haven't been met or the value of me existing hasn't been acknowledged by a strong masculine, then that will create a vacancy. That vacancy, for me, healing that has been a long, long road, right? And I'm super fucking good with it. There's just sometimes when this little sneaks in where I really just want someone else to take care of me for a second and just do everything because I get fatigued with taking care of myself. Now, that's different from me just generally being a woman and wanting to have the feminine, divine feminine experience and be in a provider type dynamic, which I'll talk about in another podcast. But poor boundaries looks like decision paralysis. You're afraid of making the wrong one. You get into a state of paralysis. You let you have somebody else make the decision for you. And then that actually gives you a pass on having to practice having better boundaries for yourself, self-protection, self-respect, etc. Okay, next one, hyper-focus on other. If you have a child that has special needs, for example, it might be because you came here to learn how to have boundaries not boundaries with the child, boundaries with yourself, like understanding what it means to not run self-sacrifice or control patterns or future tripping patterns. So the reason why I say this is because I'm starting to see a different, a new pattern emerge with mothers that are coming to me with children with special needs. And that's ASD or either bipolar or severe depression or severe levels of codependency codependency in teens particularly will turn into crazy levels of narcissism, like succession level, (laughs) HBO succession level narcissism, where it's manipulative, it's codependent, where the mother and the daughter will be just hyper besties, or the mother and the son will be coddled and at the hip and super besties. And it becomes a dumpster fire. It becomes a mess. So hyper-focus on others If you have a tremendous amount of control patterns and you're looking at how to establish boundaries and self-respect, that is probably the reason why you are being presented with a child that has needs. So I know that may come as very unpopular information and it might be really unpopular right now and it might be kind of like mind-blowing, believe me. There's something to this because it's like another hypothesis I'm setting up for the book is I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? And I've seen enough now in sessions where I was like, there's, there's an emergence, there's a pattern. So to be continued on that one, saying yes, when you want to say no, people pleasing and fear of looking bad, abandonment of self and denying self interests and wants because of fear. Here's the rub. There's usually a huge payoff for being a people pleaser. If you are a people pleaser and you're just seen as super chill, easygoing and low key, Self-sacrifice and martyrism at its finest, let me tell you. 
I know those people, I was like, I don't know why she's just like, how is she just so chill all the time? Believe me, there is a silent storm in there. And that shit is going to come out sideways somewhere. People pleasing, abandonment of self and denying self-interest because you fear of like ruffling feathers and chain challenging the status quo is like the example of having actually poor boundaries because you don't respect yourself. Now, that's not to say that there are just people who are naturally on that chill and have regulated nervous systems and are wildly healed. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about coming off of the wounded empath, right? Like when you are cultivating and developing a strong sense of self, these are things are going to come in to challenge you because that's where we learn. The pain becomes a guide for us. People who have poor boundaries are highly skilled at keeping the status quo and not ruffling feathers if you're coming from a wounded empath dynamic. So if you have trauma and you're coming from trauma, you do not want to ruffle feathers. You do not want to challenge the status quo. You will become the matriarch of your family. You will become the strong one. You will be forced to grow up earlier. You will not talk about your needs necessarily. You will have silent bouts of emotional rage kind of by yourself. You may, and even if you're partnered, you will take care of everyone around you and you're just going to get it. The whole thing is like getting it done. I just need to get it done right now. I'm keeping the long view. It's the someday win in the future. When I have time, I have five more years, you know, six more years of this. I'm going to finish, you know, I'm going to get to myself when the kids are out of school or I'm done doing this. And then all of a sudden your life has gone by over half of it. And you're just at the beginning of unpacking some really heavy shit. That's rough. Because the longer you wait, the more those patterns ingrain. And the longer you wait or ignore or bypass, you spiritual bypass, you create all of this work around, the more that you actually create and confirm those programs. And it's, it's heavy. It gets really, really heavy. So here's how these complementary frequencies shape up. There are complementary frequencies to all of this. Someone who can't handle conflict will attract a people pleaser who loves to accommodate. And the people pleaser will attract someone who can't handle conflict to validate their she's so great, so accommodating and chill perception that is really low self-worth, not deserving and disguised. Connecting, so connecting children with disabilities to parents who came to just transcend control, self-sacrifice and poor boundary setting. This is kind of like a stream of consciousness I had in my notes, not setting the boundary with the child, but in other areas of too much smothering, enabling, and codependency. I know I mentioned that a little bit just a few minutes ago, but I think it's important to reiterate as just a note, something to look at. Another complementary frequency. Again, to repeat, someone who can't handle conflict will attract a people pleaser who loves to accommodate. And people pleasers will attract someone who can't handle conflict to validate that she's so great, she's super chill. It becomes the inverse. It really does. This is where it becomes really interesting. Going back to these types of empathy, where they hold different value structures, whereas the idea of having cognitive empathy and not emotional empathy leads to nuances and labels like the dark empath. What's the difference between the dark empath and the distorted empath? Dark empath, for example, will use their ability to connect with others for malignant and selfish purposes. There's an awareness that they know how to be a social engineer. So dark empath, Jeffrey Epstein, for example, extremely 
extremely brilliant at social engineering, knowing exactly how to utilize his charisma, his get himself into jobs with no skill, okay? Talk, connect, and then use that ability to help make other people feel comfortable and that they can trust him to leverage his own status and the status of others. So he would make sure that he was in the right circles and then get people who had mega, mega money to feel special. And people with mega, mega money who want to feel special want to be around people who are really smart. So scientists, physicists, creators, inventors, things like this. They, he would invite these people to very, very high profile dinners to get money to leverage their research. And scientists love to get money to leverage and pay for research. And narcissistic billionaires love to be around people who are smart. So this is the brilliance of a dark empath. That would be Jeffrey Epstein. He would then use that information because it's so calculating. He would create a blackmail dynamic. He would have so much information on these people that he became untouchable. Didn't matter how much he trafficked, whatever he did, he absolutely knew what the hell he was doing. The distorted empath doesn't quite know that there's not a narcissistic tendency, although there's a borderline there with the ego getting a little out of control. The distorted empath just needs some refinement. Usually there's not a malignant intention behind what's going on with the distorted empath. They need to refine their abilities a little bit, a little bit. They just need to clean up and then they're on their way to being in a higher level of service. That would be the difference between these two things about the dark empath and the distorted empath. Dark empath would be every character, once again, on succession. So how does all of this relate to frequency work and what can you really do about it? Consider this. You know you're an empath, first of all. You just know that you are. And if it's starting to deplete you, you might want to look at that. If you are feeling other people's emotions so intensely and feel that you're just so deeply connected to somebody else to the point where you're just quantum entangled into oblivion and you don't even know where you begin and they end, that is entanglement. That's enmeshment. And that's coming from a wounded empath. That's some wounding. There's some more work to do around there. No one should be able to throw you so wildly out of your own space and facility that you feel like you have to rescue or save somebody. And I know you know what I'm talking about. If you're listening to this, you know you're like, shit, I agree. I like, I have fit the bill for this, 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 and this. Yes. Empath and narcissist basically run self-sacrifice patterns, martyr patterns, lack patterns, and there's a lot going on with self-value. Now, those things are bottom line codes. Those are bottom line programs that end up getting wildly, wildly nuanced. But I think we're going to see, if we haven't already, the emergence of what is what will be called the wounded empath. Whether or not that's already a term, I have absolutely no idea. When I was writing my notes for this, I was like, there's something else or something else. And this is what how this episode shaped up. There's frequency work around this. I have a meditation on narcissism. If you're an empath, listen to that. And there's going to be more meditations to, to come. Again, I know this episode was a lot. Re-listen to it. Grab your notebook. See where you relate and where you actually have patterns that are similar to what these are. What kind of empathy do I run? Am I presenting any symptoms or behaviors around distorted empath, wounded empath, and potentially even a dark empath? 
it's okay to actually use empathy to get what you want if you're in agreement with it, but you're just operating and confirming stuff that maybe isn't the best for you. I mean, really just in neutrality, everyone is out for the most part, people who are hyper, hyper seducers know that they know how to seduce. That's a form of actually utilizing dark empathy or dark or that has a little bit of a narcissistic tone to help you get what you want. If that's working for you, then, then that's fine, right? Then that's your path and mazel. But again, the idea is to transcend all of this. If it's constricting you and you're not getting freedom from who you are and the abilities that you have, then there's something to actually look at. So I hope this was an interesting episode for you guys. I don't know what's going to go on with the TikTok ban. This has been being talked about for months, but if it does, I'm glad that you guys are here. Follow along on Telegram. I have a lot going on there. Again, superfreak.co, the website is live and kicking. I have sessions opening up. They sell out really quickly. I'm very, very grateful. So thank you for that. And follow on social media and I will see you guys on another episode. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Please make sure to leave a review and follow the fun on social media because that's how it works in this world. In the meantime, get your freak on. I'll see you in the next session.